Welcome to Central. We are so glad that you've joined us. We are currently uh, one church meeting in many rooms all across the Bay Area and, and reaching into different cities, states, and zip codes in the midst of this global pandemic. But not only that, isn't it nice to know that God's opening brand new doors for us in this season? And some of you are tuning in from different countries and different continents around the globe. And we are so honored uh, that you've joined us today. And also a little side caveat, not do we have uh, weekend experiences available for you, but we also have weekend experiences available for your kids, for your grandkids. Uh, Miss Kristen, our, our Central Kids Director, does a tremendous job putting all that together. So you can simply go to centralsj.org, check out our kids page, lots of great resources for you as parents and grandparents to, to help your kids thrive amidst of this, uh, this challenging season. Well, we're in our final week of this series we've entitled Unshaken, and we've been been talking about how, how we can live lives that are unshaken in the midst of a very shook world, how we can hold on to trust and faith in the midst of all the challenges that we are, we are facing. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of, of how do we live life, how do we navigate life when we're all worn out? Now, I don't know if you've ever played these, these games when you were maybe younger in life, but, but for me, whenever I was a teenager, we, we played some very stupid, uh, painful games. Uh, one of them was this game called, called Knuckles. And so you would, you would line up next to somebody and, and put your knuckles together. You'd try to flinch and get them to pull away. But, but the ultimate goal of the game was to, to rack their knuckles and to hit on top of them. And, and if you missed, then it was their turn to try to, try to hit you. And you went until someone you know, was like, <laughs> I'm tapping out. My knuckles are all worn out. I'm not doing that anymore. Or maybe you played the game Bloody Knuckles, and this was like another level up. And you'd take a quarter and get a quarter spinning, and, and each you'd take turns trying to keep that quarter spinning. And if you knocked down that quarter, well, then it was your opportunity to try to, to make the other, other guy's knuckles bleed. And so the other guy would put his, his knuckles on the table, and you would fling a quarter and try to scrape the skin right off of that guy's or that girl's knuckles. And it wasn't the most intelligent game, but... But it was kind of fun. And the other game, maybe you, you played this, it's called Slaps. And if you've played Slaps, then you know this deal. Like, particularly for guys, you, you would take off your shirt and stand next, next uh, across from some guy and you just slap him right across the chest or in different places uh, and, uh, and try to, you, you keep going until the other guy gets all worn out and, and then, then you win. One guy cries uncle and game's over. Now, now, some of you are maybe reminiscing. Some of the ladies are thinking, what is wrong with the male species? Uh, but, but in life, we keep going oftentimes until we're just, just all worn out, until we, we can't go any further. And, uh, and that doesn't just, that's just not just for, for a season of life, whenever we have these testosterone teenagers, teenage years, um, that, that actually follows us in, into life where we, we just hang on. And even in the midst of when we know we should probably let go of some things, we just, we just grit our teeth and, and keep, keep going until we're, we're all worn out. And, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. I mean, grit is needed amidst of a global pandemic. Grit is required and demanded in 2020. Uh, but, but the key to finding freedom in the midst of those seasons, the key to, 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 to not having to scream uncle all the time is to, to let God be God and just surrendering control to him and find refreshing on the other side of that. 
Now, today we're going to be talking about this idea of, of how do we, we find freedom? How, how do we live life that's when, when the world's all shook up and we're all worn out? How, how do we tap into a, another power? And I want you to know that that freedom is not about, or surrender rather, is not about giving up on life. But, but, but freedom, surrender, is, leads to freedom that, that ushers in a new power, new perspective. If you, or you just want to hear the big idea and then, then jump off to something else, or maybe you've, you've already zoned out, uh, lean back in for just a moment. Here's the big idea that I would love to deposit with you today. And, and that, that's simply this, that surrender is not about giving up and saying, I cannot handle life. Surrender, rather, it's changing sides and saying, I want new power in my life. Let me just ask you, could you use some fresh power in this season? Could you use some, some, some refreshing strength in this season? Let me just ask, could, could you use God to come in like a flood, like maybe never before you've experienced in your life? Uh, then man, surrender is the best pathway to that. Because here's the reality. God cannot fill what God cannot have. And if you want God to fill your life, then surrender is all of our best next step. And that's not for people that are just, just new to faith, that, that maybe been following Jesus your whole life. If you want fresh power, fresh perspective, fresh energy, fresh resources, it, come, it begins when we come to God and say, once again, God, I surrender. All that I am, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my fears, my family, my career, my plans. God, I surrender those to you and I want you to take control. Well, today we're going to be looking at this, this passage that's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And so if you, uh, you have your Bibles there, wherever you're, you're tuning in, I invite you to, to grab your Bibles and open up uh, to this book of 2 Kings. And we're going to be, be camping out today in 2 Kings chapter chapter 5. We actually read this, this passage in our church-wide reading plan a few weeks ago. And man, I don't know about you, but it's been great for me to just, just tune in with you throughout the week in our church-wide reading plans. We certainly are a church that believes in the Bible and the, the authority of the Bible to speak into our lives. And it, it really revives our soul. And so for, for many of you, I know you've been, been journeying with us through those reading plans. And if you haven't, you can simply check those out on our website, uh, go to our events page, and you can, you can see the current reading plan for, for this week, or you can friend me on the Bible app U version, and I can send you that uh, invitation as well. But it's been refreshing to me. And so, so a few weeks ago, we were reading this passage in 2 Kings chapter 5 that we're about to look at today. And, uh, and that same day that we read it in our church-wide reading plan, we met with our small group. And, and shameless plug for small groups, if you're, you're not currently connected, I would encourage you to go onto our website, centralsj.org slash groups. Uh, and groups Groups will be launching next week. There's, there's, there's an opportunity for you to do life with a group of people that you can help sharpen and they can help sharpen you along this, this journey we call life. And so, so make sure you do that. Check those out. But our group meets on Monday nights and uh, we, we went through this passage in 2 Kings chapter 5 a few weeks ago. And I, I'm just telling you, we're going to scratch the surface of this text, but, but if you want to do a deep dive into 2 Kings chapter 5, do what we did with our small group. And that's simply ask a few questions. One, one ask yourself ask your family, ask your friends, maybe today at, at over lunch or maybe uh, jump on a Zoom call with some family friends or, or, or just gather in your, your backyard and obviously be safe in this season. But, uh, but ask yourself these questions. As you read 2 Kings chapter 5, ask yourself, what does this text teach me about God? Like, what do we learn about God from this passage? 
Second question I'd encourage you to ask is, is what do we learn about humanity in the midst of challenging seasons, in the midst of uh, turbulent times and unexpected circumstances? What do, we, what do we see about humanity? What does this text teach us? And then third, this is where it gets a little, little fun. I think all those questions are fun, but this is where it gets really personal, really interesting, is identify all the characters in, the, in this story and, and ask yourself, which character do I most identify with in my life today and why? Well, we did that with our group, and man, tremendous insights came from that. And, and again, jump into a group every week. It'll, it'll bring refreshing to your soul. There's some groups, if you're tuning in from another state or country, that you, you can join a Zoom group next week. Or if you're here in the Bay Area, some of our groups are meeting in person and, and obviously trying to be as safe as we can in the midst of this season. But for me, and I'd say for my family, it's been just refreshing to our souls uh, to see people in, in, in the flesh uh, once, once a week and... Uh, and so, man, we would encourage you to, to jump in and, and get connected there. But in 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, we're going to highlight just two characters. There's many characters. We're just going to talk about two of them. One of them is this guy by the name of, of Naaman. And in the Hebrew language, uh, Naaman is what, what Hebrew word is, is ishkadol. Like he's this commander. It's this, this word that's dripping with muscle and strength and fortitude. He's this commander of this foreign army. And Naaman, he's got power. He's got prowess. He's got wealth. He's got a, he's got a team around him, a, an army of soldiers that, that want to support Naaman and, and Naaman's conquest. And Naaman, he really has never known defeat. He's an, he's an ish, he's this commander of this army. He's a man of power. Only problem was that Naaman has an illness. He, he's very sick and, and he has this skin disease called leprosy. And Naaman comes to this point in his life where he is all worn out. He's exhausted all of his resources. He's exhausted everything that he knew how to do and his, his own wisdom, his own strength. And so he hears from this, this little slave girl that's actually been deported from the land of Israel that there's this, this man of God in Israel named Elisha and that Naaman needs to go talk to Elisha. So enter our second character, Elisha. We actually talked about Elisha a couple weeks ago, but... Um, Throughout this series, we've been primarily focused on Elijah. Now, Elijah was the mentor of Elisha. Uh, Elijah performs 14 miracles that we have documented in the Bible. Elisha, at the end of Elijah's uh, leadership and before Elijah gets taken away to be with be with God in this chariot of fire, this crazy scenario that I encourage you to read in your Bible, like it's fascinating. But Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And Elisha, as a result, performs 28 miracles that we have documented in the Bible. And we're about to look at, at one of them. But Elisha, his name means God saves. God saves. And that's a statement about how God wants to, wants to heal and wants to restore people. People like you, people like me, God wants to restore. He, he, wants, to, he wants to remind us today that, that God is our rescuer. And, uh, and he's going to rescue this foreigner, a different ethnicity, different country, different region. He's going to heal him because God's heart is for all people around the globe. And so Elisha has this encounter with this, this powerful warrior, 
by the name of Naaman. So, so with that kind of as a, a framework, again, we're just going to skim the surface of this story. Second Kings chapter 5, encourage you to read it on your own uh, and talk about it with some friends, some family members. But, but for today, we're going to focus on, on 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. And here's what it says. So Naaman, this powerful commander, went with his horses and his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Like, just just want to pause here for just a moment. Like this powerful man with with chariots and horses. In our modern day reality, that would be like a, a general pulls up with tanks bombers, like, like crazy military equipment outside of your house. And here's what Elisha does. He doesn't even go out to talk to him. He's like, hey, 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 intern, you go tell him. Hey, 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 I want you to, to talk. I'm just going to sit here and continue doing what I am, what I'm doing. And so, so Elisha, he sent this messenger out with this message. And here's the message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. I mean, aren't the rivers of Damascus and the Abana and the Parfar better than the rivers here in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. How did Naaman go from asking for healing to turning away and leaving in in a rage? Well, I think the reality is it's just one word that we've all experienced from time to time called pride. And Naaman thought, man, I, I should have been this way. Now you want me to do it this way. And while I came asking for healing, the healing's not coming the way I thought it would or the way I thought it should. So now I'm angry and this reality. And listen, pride always keeps us from surrender. But surrender is the best way, really the only way that we encounter God and God's power in our daily lives. And so with that text in mind, here's the first principle that I want to give you if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. Here's, here's the, the, the first point, and here's the fill in the blank. Surrender control. Surrender control. Here's what surrender is. Here's, here's probably my favorite definition of surrender. Uh, surrender is not, not a crutch for weak people who, who can't handle life. Surrender, surrender is simply the glad and voluntary acknowledgement that there is a God and it is not me. Surrender, spiritually speaking, is simply the glad and voluntary acknowledgement that there is a God in heaven who, who runs the cosmos, who has a plan and a purpose for my life and your life. And here's the deal. There is a God. It is not, it is not me. Sometimes the healthiest, most heroic thing that we can do is surrender to these two truths. There is a God and I am not him. A lot of times people come to church hoping to, to get God on the same page with, with their plans. And they're like, man, I could just use some divine assistance as I navigate this arena of my, of my life. But here's what you need to know, that, that God is way too big for that. God doesn't come. Like when we're all worn out, you need him to be the big God that he is, not a little solution that he is not. That means surrender is required. It means you have to admit that you are not in control, but God is. 
This is not about holding out to seeing how long you can hang on until you have to, to cry uncle. It is not about losing the game of life. It is about holding on to this promise and, and really embracing this promise as a living reality in your day-to-day life where Jesus said in John 16, that here's the reality in this world, in this life, you will have many trials and sorrows. And, and we can all personally relate to that. But here's, here's where surrender comes in. Here's where, where hope comes in. Here, here's where, where when we come to God and we say, God, you are God, I am not. Here we can hold on to this promise and we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world and we are his. Don't let your pride keep you from from ending whatever game of bloody knuckles you've been playing in this life. It's okay to admit that you need help. Uh, You've gathered online today with with many people who have found this to be true, that when they, they surrendered to God and let go of control, they found a power not their own. And therefore, as a daily basis for many people online today, that every day they come to God and say, God, my life is yours. Today I surrender control once again. And I invite you to step into that journey as well because that's where the power to find and follow Jesus truly lies. And so it's about saying, God, I'm all all worn out. I've been trying to be be too strong long enough on my own. And not only do I need your help, but God, I just need you. And once you get to that place, here's the second action step. Here's the second fill in the blank. Step into the water. Simply take action on whatever God's asked you to do. And, and for this story, here's the action step. He, Naaman needed to just, just humble himself and step into the water. And I think maybe for some of us here watching this today, that, that would be our best next step as well. So, so here's where we are in this story, in this narrative in 2 Kings chapter 5, and Naaman's mad. He's ready to pack up. He's storming off. He's ready to go home. And, and we pick it up in 2 Kings 5, 13. And here, here's what happens. But one of his officers, his officer tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for those people in my life who, who are willing to, to have the courage uh, to engage in a conversation whenever I don't see things from a right perspective. I'm so thankful for being in groups really for, for several years. It was, I think in 2008 that Tiffany and I jumped into our, our very first small group as a, as a couple. And, and a few of those people, like we're still good friends with uh, today. And a matter of fact, I talked to one of those guys this week and, and there's been occasions where I didn't see things accurately. And he had the courage to come to me and say, just like Naaman had, uh, Tim, I don't think you're seeing it right. Here's what I hear you saying, but here's what I think the reality is. And I maybe, maybe you're just emotional about this, and I want you to look at this objectively. And that's why groups are so important. We all need people to, to check our backs. Like There could be all kinds of craziness happening behind me, and I wouldn't know, but you could see it. And that's why we're better together. That's why I need you in my life. That's why we need each other along this journey. That's why we need groups and to, to team up. And, and thankfully, Naaman had that. He had a trusted comrade who was willing to speak truth into his life. And so he says, hey, if, if he asked you to climb a mountain, like, like you would have done it, right? If he asked you to do something difficult, like, like surely you would have done that. But he's asking you to do something simple. So he goes on to say, uh, so, so you would certainly obey if he, he asked you to do something uh, that, that was simple. And so when he simply says, hey, go wash and be cured, why wouldn't you do that? And so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times. And as the man of God had instructed him, and here's the result, 
His skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. You know why a lot of people resist God? And you know why a lot of people just, just don't really experience all, all that God has for them? I, in my opinion, is sometimes we just think it's too simple. Like you're telling me I can have a totally different life if, if I just ask, I just believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and then I just confess with my mouth that he's gonna be the Lord of my life. He's gonna call the shots in my life. And then, then as a result of that simple act, like I can be saved and like have eternal life and get to go to heaven and not hell. And like, like my whole landscape of my life can change by that simple act. Yeah, that's what we're saying. You make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. Then you take another step of obedience and you step into the water of baptism and go public with that faith. And it sounds super simple, but it's so powerful, so profound. That's part of the journey. And Naaman was used to embracing a challenge that he had no idea how to surrender and receive a gift. I wonder if some of you watching this, you know how to embrace challenge. You know how to navigate obstacles. If I were to ask you to do something really tough, you'd make it sound super simple. But, but sometimes, some of us, whenever God asks to do something simple, we're not really sure about surrendering and receiving the gift on the other side of that surrender. But, but thankfully, Naaman has some friends. They convince him to go. So he enters these plain old muddy waters of the Jordan River, which wasn't very clean, wasn't as clean as the rivers that, that Naaman had back home. He dipped seven times, obeying what Elisha said, and miraculously, amazingly, Naaman is healed of this disease that he cannot get any resolution on on his own. And why is that? It's not because the waters that healed him. It wasn't the waters. It was his obedient surrender. And listen, whatever next step God asks you to take, it won't be taking that next step that brings healing and hope in your life. It'll be obedient surrender to the creator of the universe who has great plans for you, great plans for me. He had to swallow his pride and step out of his comfort zone and know that the one true God, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. Naaman takes action finds healing. And really this, the journey of Naaman and what, what Naaman took is the same journey that, that we all take really when we, we follow Jesus. And one of the best next steps for many of us watching this right now is, is to step into the water of baptism. And you might say, ah, that sounds super simple. I, I'm not sure I'm up for that. I would just in, encourage you to consider maybe swallowing your pride, setting that aside and saying, you know what, if the Bible says it, I'm going to do it. Not because because of anything that I've done to deserve it, but because God, you said it, I'm going to take action on it. And so again, I encourage you to check out 2 Kings chapter 5. There's so much richness in this text. Camp out in it for a bit. But I want to spend the rest of our time talking to you about this, this act of baptism and why my hope for everyone watching this, if you haven't been baptized, that is your best next step. And there's freedom, there's healing on the other side of that obedience. So why baptism? Why is baptism important in the Christian faith? Why should you be baptized today if you've made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life? Well, I would explain it like this. You know, whenever I married Tiffany, before I married Tiffany, there came a point in time when I asked her to be my wife. I pledged my faithfulness to her that we were gonna do life together. And I asked her to be my wife. But but. After that, we had this wedding, 
the celebration. I mean, there was clapping. Our family and friends were there. There was cake. There was dancing. My wife was looking smoking hot. And, uh, but before that celebration, before the wedding day, there was this moment where a commitment took place. And, and my hunch is that for many of you watching this, you've made this commitment to Jesus but you haven't had the wedding, so to speak. You haven't gone public with that commitment. And just like on your wedding day, you go public with that commitment you made to your spouse. In baptism, you go public with the commitment you've made to God. And we identify with God in his death, his burial, and resurrection through baptism. When you go into the waters, you identify with Jesus in his death. You come up out of the waters, you're risen, just like Jesus, raised to walk in new life. It's, it's this declaration of saying, I'm not the man, I'm not the woman I used to be. God has forgiven me. I got a brand new start. My sins, have, I've been died to, I've died to those. Those have been nailed to the cross over 2,000 years ago. I'm not carrying that shame anymore. I'm going to walk in, in new life. That's what baptism represents. And that's why if you're, you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, that's your best next step. And God will, will honor you for that because the Bible explicitly asked us to. Jesus modeled that for us. And, and that's all of our, our best next step. And here's what I want to just bring some clarity to. It's, it's not the waters of baptism that save us. If that was the case, then man, we'd be sprinkling people as they drive along Meridian right outside of this church. I mean, we'd turn our parking lot into a city swimming pool and we would invite everyone to come to this baptismal, to step into this, this water so they could, be, they could be saved. But it's not the water that saves us. We're saved through faith in Jesus. And we go public with that, that, that faith, with that commitment to God through baptism, displaying to people that, man, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that. And I'm going, I'm going public with this thing. Some of you might say, well, hey, what if I was baptized as a baby? Like, what if I was christened? And my, my parents uh, took me to uh, probably a liturgical church, or maybe a Catholic church or a Lutheran church, and they baptized you. Uh, as a baby. And I would just say, number one, I'm thankful for your parents. I'm thankful for their investment in your spiritual life. And I, I would just say, man, one of the ways that you honor your parents, one of the ways you honor what they have done for you is now as an adult going public with that and saying, mom and dad, what you, what you hoped for me back here has now been fulfilled right here, right now. As an adult, I'm making this conscious decision to follow Jesus and I want the world to know he's changed my life. In the, in the Bible, I would simply say this, uh, the reason that, that we get baptized as an adult or as a, a, a young person who can make a conscious decision to follow Jesus and we get baptized by immersion is because the 27 times that we see baptism take place in the Bible, those two things are present. The individual is old enough to make a conscious decision and, and they're fully submerged in, in water. And so, so we just want to do what the Bible says. Like we believe in the authority of scriptures. We want to, want to do what the, the scriptures instruct us. And so that's what, that's what they instruct us. And so if you were, you were christened as a child, eh, then man, I would say honor your parents, honor their wishes by now going public with their faith and actually fulfilling, fulfilling what they had hoped for you back there, right here, uh, right now. And, uh, and so some of you, another objection that I've often heard is I'll get baptized once I figure a few more things out. Like my life's kind of a wreck right now and, and I don't think going public with my faith and getting baptized is, is right for me to do. I would just submit to you that if, if you've asked Jesus to be the, the leader and the forgiver of your life, 
then your best next step is to get baptized because here's the deal. You, you, don't, go, you don't get cleaned up before you take a bath. You, you don't get healed before you go see the doctor. You don't come to Jesus after you got your life all figured out. No, we, we come to Jesus and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I still got some issues that I need to work on. And God, I need your power to help me to do what I could never do on my own. And, and you just submit to whatever, whatever he asks you to do. And one, the first thing he asks every believer to do is to get, get baptized, to go public with their faith. And now I know there's some practical objections to this as well. I mean, we are in a global pandemic. But I would just, just want you to know, man, we, we've given this some thought. We've thought of some practical ways that you can take this step of obedience in your life. I, I wish we could gather. I wish we, this room could be filled right now. And we could ask you to come down and like go public with your faith and get baptized today. Uh, but that's not our current reality. But that doesn't negate what God asks us to do. That doesn't negate your part of being obedient to what God is, has clearly instructed us in, in the Bible over 27 times. And so, so we thought of some practical ways for you to take this step. And I would just encourage you, if God's, God's tugging on your heart in this area of your life, you know you're a follower of Jesus. You know he's forgiven your sin. You, you know your, your shame and your sin is in the past. And God has a bright future for you down the road, right here, right now, I would invite you to, to just commit to going public with your faith and getting baptized. And so we wanna to talk to you about some practical next steps of how this can take place, whether you're here in the Bay Area, in another state, or even another country or continent. Uh, we would just invite you to, to text this number to 408-944-5402. Just text us, 408 944 5402. We also realize that there are some, some charges that you may occur if you're, if you're in another, another country. And so we would, if you're in another country and you want to go public with your faith and get baptized, we invite you to email us at info at centralsj.org. That's info at centralsj.org. We would love to help you take this next step in your spiritual journey. Well, for all of us, whether you're, you're new to, to, to faith, whether your best next step is to go public and get baptized, or maybe you got, you got baptized decades ago. For all of us, our best next step today is to surrender afresh to God, to say, God, you're God, I'm not. In the midst of this, this shaken season, we can remain unshaken by knowing that we belong to the creator of the universe who has never shook. Let's surrender afresh to him. He's got you more than you realize. Let's take a next step, step into the water. And for some of you, again, your, your best next step is to get to literally step into the waters of baptism. For all of us, whether you, you're new to church, new to following God, or maybe you've been following God your whole life, all of us have a next step to take. And I would just encourage you, whatever God's asking you to do, it may seem simple, but man, there's profound implications in the simple act of obedience, just like we saw with Naaman, and you'll experience that in your own life. Whatever he's asking you to do, take a step, step into those waters. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that we can experience healing in areas of our life that we've never experienced healing before in your presence. As we surrender to you and take next steps, God, you do the unthinkable for our good and for your glory. So God, I pray you would give your church courage and confidence that you would melt away fears. And Father, you would allow everyone listening to this today to surrender afresh to you and take a next step. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.